All right, thank you, Pastor. Tonight we're in chapter number 16, Revelation chapter number 16, and uh, this is a great chapter. This chapter concludes the judgments during the tribulation period. So it makes it a great chapter. We better find our place there. I want to mention this. Um, the judgments that are contained, these vile judgments or bold judgments as we call them, uh, that are contained in chapter 16 are so similar to the trumpet judgments that we've already studied that some people think it's just an enlargement on those judgments. That's not right. These are s seven specific judgments. These are not the same. They are very similar. And if I get my glasses on here, I can show you the similarity. The first vile judgment and the first trumpet judgment that has to do with the earth, the second with the sea, the third with fresh water, the fourth with the sun, the fifth with darkness, the sixth with the river Euphrates, and the seventh with great earthquakes. So you can see why uh, some people would maybe get a little bit confused. But these are seven distinct judgments in addition to the seven uh, trumpet judgments. Now, if you have the chart that I handed out, I want you to look at that because uh, it's, it's going to begin to make more sense to you, I believe, if you have been referencing it. You notice the first three seal judgments are in the first half of the tribulation. That's the announcement of the Antichrist and those three seal judgments at the very first are uh, in the first half of the tribulation. But beginning with the first trumpet and the first uh, vile judgment, along with the fourth seal judgment, that opens the second part of the tribulation, the last three and a half years. And then when you get over to the fifth seal, you have this great string of judgments uh, the judgment number two through six of both the trumpet and the vile judgments. And I told you, these judgments run very consecutive. In fact, from the second judgment to this end is only three and a half years. So all these judgments uh, are in that period of time. Uh, they're not lengthy as you would think, about the, as long as the Second World War. That's about how long that war lasted. And uh, so I'll give you a time reference. But now let's begin in chapter 16 and verse number 1. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, these are the seven angels that have the, uh, the final judgments, the vile judgments. He says, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. Notice it says a great voice. A great voice. Uh, there's not much doubt. Most Bible uh, uh, 
commentaries and that, identify this as God, which I believe it is. Uh, in exact, I think it's the Lord Jesus Christ, who of course is God, but uh, it's he that is speaking. Now verse 2, He's told, he tells him in verse 1 to go uh, your ways and pour out these vials. And in verse 2 it says, And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. Now, this uh, sore, uh, the, the Greek word that they have that from is the same Greek word that, uh, and this is from the uh, Septuagint, which is a uh, Greek translation of the Old Testament that's uh, it, used often in the New Testament and often in historical writers. Uh, but it, uh, that's where this um, verse is taken from. And the, and the word for uh, uh, the uh, word sore there uh, is the same word uh, that uh, is with the, uh, uh, the judgment in, in uh, Egypt. Uh, in Exodus, you remember when Moses brought those judgments against Egypt. That's the same type of sore. That sore is also... Uh, referred to that which Job had uh, as he was suffered with sores. And, and then in the New Testament with the beggar that sat at the rich man's gate and Luke 16, that sore is that same type of sore. So uh, they have this sore. It's like a boil, a very uh, terrible sore, no cure. You'll see it mentioned throughout this chapter it just didn't happen and then cure up. No, they kept this sore. Everyone that had the mark of the beast, people who were uh, uh, non-followers of the Antichrist, those who did not have the mark of the beast, uh, did not suffer from this sore. But those who had the mark of the beast, they suffered. All right, now verse number three. And the second angel poured out his vow upon the sea. And it became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. Uh, again, uh, in the trumpet judgment, there was a judgment against the salt water, the sea. But there a third died. This is a more severe judgment. Now it's all the people, all those that lived in the sea. That's man, beast, uh, uh, fish. Uh, the wells, everything, uh, and the sea seawater or salt water died. And then we have verse number um, uh, four, and the third angel poured out his vow upon the rivers and the fountains of water, and they became blood. So now we have all the water, both fresh and salt water, turned to blood, Okay. Then there's a little further explanation now about these two judgments. It said, and, and I heard an angel of the waters. Evidently, God has an angel over the waters. We know he had them over the winds, but we've already talked about the four angels over the four winds uh, of the earth. But here it's over the waters. The angel over the waters says, Thou art righteous, O Lord, 
which art and was and shall be, that's referring to God's eternal, eternality or eternity, um, because thou hast judged us. Because your judgment, he says, the angel says, you're right, you're right, God. And then it says, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And then an, another angel, and I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. God's judgments, some would think maybe were too severe, but no, they're not. Uh, these people uh, uh, were very bad toward the prophets and the uh, believers, the saints. And so now they are getting their just desserts, as we might say. And so both the salt and seawater has been turned to blood. Now think of that now. The first curse there was those sores, those boils. They didn't even have any clean water to clean them now. This, this agony is compounding. Uh, this is a very severe judgment. No judgments are like these judgments. They're much more severe than any of the other judgments, whether they be the seal judgments or the trumpet judgments. These judgments are more severe. Now we go to the fourth angel in verse 8. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and a power was given unto him to scorch men with fire, and men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. Now, now just look at this. Now they have the sun increasing its temperature, so it's so hot that people were actually scorched. They're dying of the heat. They don't have any water to drink. They have to drink blood. You see how severe this is getting? I mean, this is really some severe judgments. And um, notice, you'd think, and men would say, well, if God would do that, the people surely would turn to him. No, they don't. It, it tells you right here. They didn't praise God. They blasphemed the name of God. They blasphemed God, uh, and which has the power over these plagues. They knew from where the, these plagues came. They knew God was judging them, and yet they did not repent. They, they, they just got worse, uh, and, and they re, did not repent or give him glory. Now we go to the fifth angel, and this is very quick, and I want to have some time toward the end because uh, it gets into uh, a, a more, uh, a, not a more interesting, but an interesting section when we get under that last vial. But now, verse uh, 10, And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast. Now this beast, uh, there are several beasts mentioned. This is the Antichrist. This is the first beast of chapter 13. Uh, the seat of the beast in his kingdom. He has a kingdom. Uh, you remember... Uh, he came to office in the first half of the tribulation. He was a politician with a very flannel mouth. He was very 
uh, eloquent in his speech and was able to get people to follow him, uh, promising them a peace. Perhaps the explanation as to where all these Christians went because <laughs> the rapture took place before he's ever identified. We know that from Thessalonians. Uh, don't try to identify the, uh, the uh, uh, Antichrist because he's not identified until after the church is taken away. Now, uh, here uh, he says that uh, this judgment fell upon his throne. And that's what it's talking about, his throne here. Uh, and I trying to look at my notes. I just want to stay with the Bible. I don't have time for my notes tonight. Okay, so it, so he says here, and this is verse uh, number eight, the fourth angel poured out his vow upon the sun, the heat scorched them, and then in verse 10, the fifth angel poured out his vow upon the seat of the beast and his kingdom. So it wasn't just his throne, which was in Babylon, it's not his throne, but it's over his whole kingdom, and he has a world kingdom. So it's, this is all over the world that this heat uh, plague is, is effective. And it was full of darkness. Uh, it's on the seat, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain. Now, now somebody said, well, wait a minute now, preacher. You want me to believe it? it's the sun that's causing all this. And the sun, of course, was first given for light and warmth and energy. It had good qualities. And uh, now it's used to curse man. And uh, it's dark. Well, don't you know the sun brings light? Do you know that for some time, scientists has known this, that the hottest parts of the sun is black. It's black. It's, it's just pitch black. And so don't think God cannot make darkness come while the heat of the sun is increased and the suffering is caused uh, from that heat. The Bible says it. That's enough to, to just accept it. If you can't understand it, just accept it by faith. But believe me, you study it out and you'll see there's reason for you to believe it technically as well. And they gnawed their tongues for pain. Their, their pain was so grievous. They couldn't clean their sores. They were suffering and agony uh, and darkness. Uh, I don't know about you, but in darkness makes everything worse. Uh, I mean, it just seems like it does anyhow. When I was sick, I was always glad to see the morning come. <laughs> I was, we got a nurse here. Maybe she's had people tell her that. But uh, anyhow, uh, it, it was dark. And in verse 11, and, and they blasphemed the God of heaven. There they go again. They didn't, it's, this didn't turn them to God. It turned them from God. Because of their pains and their sores, you notice the sores are still there. That's this first one. And repented not of their of their deeds they did not change their way now we get to the sixth seal our sixth vow verse 12 and the sixth angel poured out his vow upon the great river euphrates and water 
thereof was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Now we need to make some comment here. It refers to the Euphrates River as the great Euphrates River. It was a great river, 1,800 mile long, started up at Mount Ariat and flowed all the way down into the Persian Gulf. A mighty river. Uh, it was the river that Babylon was along. And of course today, uh, Iraq is the country which is the ancient part of Babylon. It was in that area that Iraq is, and we know that the, the city there, uh, their capital city was on it as well. But now he says here, the great river Euphrates. This river was great in history. It's the boundary, the northern boundary of the land that God gave to Abraham and his descendants. Uh, it, it was from the river Euphrates to the river of Egypt. All that. You know, we think of Israel as being that little section uh, on our maps, our Bible maps, you know, and they show just a small section. That's, that's not all that God gave them. And then the land that God gave them is, is given out in Genesis, and it's from the river Euphrates, that great river Euphrates, and by the way, they say that also the, the uh, Roman Empire's border ended there. That was the end of their uh, kingdom as well. But it was a great river, uh, and it was dried up. Now, from the heat of this increased sun, some say, you know, all the ice caps and that are going to melt. That means the ice on Mount Ariat is going to melt and it will flow down into the river, and there's, there's going to be a great flood. That land is going to be swampy and marsh. It's like a desert outside the river banks now, but, but at that, this time it's going to be like a swamp because of all the excess water. But God has no problem in drying up the river, whether it's in drought season or in flood season. It was in flood season that he stopped the flow of the Jordan so that Joshua could take the people across. Uh, and, uh, and we know that the Dead Sea was not a swamp. That was a mighty uh, piece of water that God uh, made a pathway for Israel to cross uh, out of Egypt on. But here he's going to dry it up. And uh, so did the kings. Uh, uh, notice the kings of the east might be prepared. The kings of the east are, are the kings of the sun, the rising sun. We identify that, and I believe correctly, to China as the chief country. There's other countries involved in there, but China. And today, uh, it's, it's not by chance that China is getting to be so prominent in world affairs. It was just uh, in my lifetime, the Second World War uh, was fought, and China was at that time protected by the United States because Japan had just about conquered it. Japan, that little island nation, had conquered it. They were, they're not, they were not a very uh, successful kingdom as far as wars and that goes. And uh, yet there's, there are great numbers of people in China, you know. Uh, 
India is the second largest, and they say if the Lord doesn't come and uh, time goes on for a while, that India will become the largest nation. Uh, they've got over a billion people uh, already. They're not uh, too old for farms because of their birth rates and that, that they're, they're gaining uh, quite rapidly on China. But China is mentioned here. Now, Look in verse 13. Here starts a parenthesis. You remember between the sixth and seventh seal and between the sixth and seventh trumpet, there was a parenthesis. And I said then there will be a parenthesis between the sixth and seventh vile judgment as well. And here it is, beginning in verse number 13 and going down to verse 17. It says, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. That's the uh, satanic trinity. We've already identified that to be so. That's the uh, false, the antichrist, the false prophet, and the devil, Satan. Okay. Now, these unclean spirits are like frogs. Uh, they were kind of slimy looking things. Uh, uh, the Jewish uh, law uh, in Leviticus gives you the dietary laws, and, and they were forbidden to eat this animal. It was an unclean animal to the Jew. Uh, the Syrians uh, believed that the frog was a, 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 an instrument of transporting plagues. Like, you know, during the, uh, uh, the big plagues they had in England and that where half the people died and they believed and they found out it was transported by rats. Well, the uh, Asians, uh, the, not the Asians, the um, Iranians today, Persians then, uh, they, they believed that they carried disease like that. Uh, so these were... Unclean. Uh, you don't have to worry about who these spirits are uh, because they are unclean spirits. They are demons. That's how demons are uh, explained in Scripture. These are three demons who come up and possess these, this satanic trinity, and they are used, now notice, for they are the spirits of devils, they're demons, working miracles which go forth into the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Now, we saw that the river Euphrates was dried up for the Asians or the Chinese and those to come across 200 million uh, armies uh, that strong comes across there. But now it's the whole world. Notice it's not just uh, the Asian people, but now it's the entire world, the whole world, and they are gathered together to, for battle at the great day of God Almighty. Um, these demons are used to influence the kings of the world and, and this, uh, the uh, false prophet and the Antichrist and Satan are possessed by these demons and they do a work around these kingdoms 
to get them to move against Jerusalem. That's what the, the, the uh, aim is, to fight God at Jerusalem. That's where they're heading. The Battle of Armageddon is not in Jerusalem. It's north of Jerusalem. Actually, it's the entire length of Jerusalem. We'll get to that in just a moment. But it says, Behold, I come as a thief. Now, he gives a, a one verse here as a challenge to the believers, those who have not received the mark of the beast, uh, those who are his true followers. Uh, he said, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Uh, it's talking about the Christians holding fast. Uh, like a like a soldier, stand strong. Uh, this this is all happening, and it's and it's moving fast, and it's a worldwide movement. But you that haven't accepted that mark, don't take the mark. Stand firm, stand firm, stand for God. And then it closes with verse sixteen, and he gathered them together and into a place called. In the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Uh, that's uh, Mount Megiddo. Um, uh, it's it's a plain east of there a little bit, and it's a good piece of ground. Uh, pardon? Yes, and about uh, what's well, 14 miles something long and seven wide or so. But this this battle is going to be much larger than that. This, this uh, campaign, you might say, because it's not a, a single battle. This battle begins right at the uh, uh, beginning of the second half of the tribulation, and this battle continues until Christ comes back and declares victory. Now, it begins, I believe, with the uh, uh, Russia, and those countries named with them, and, and it, uh, Persia and them are named uh, with the Russians, the Arabic people, uh, and the uh, uh, Africa, uh, the Egyptians. Uh, it gives you in Ezekiel 38, 39, they come in, they're wanting the control. So the Antichrist has had office from the first of the tribulation period for three and a half years. He had promised to give him peace and success and all this. He wasn't making good on all those promises. And there was a lot of kingdoms out there that were getting tired and they were challenging his leadership. So Russia and them are first. That's the middle of the tribulation. The Antichrist defeats them. That makes the Antichrist possible to now set himself up as world dictator. He's not a dictator the first half of the tribulation. He's a, a God that says he's making peace. He comes on that white horse with a bow in chapter 6, and he's uh, uh, testimony that he was a peacemaker. Well, he didn't get much peace because there was fighting and carrying on, and, and they got tired of it. So they were going to make an, a move against the Antichrist. He was headquartered. There, his headquarters was in Jerusalem, and here they were coming in. He beats, the, he wins the battle. So now he's, he doesn't feel he has any challenges, okay? 
He sets himself up as dictator. He demands worship, all that that we've already studied. That happens in the second half of the tribulation. That doesn't happen in the first half. All that happened, all these judgments we're talking about, in that last three and a half years, that's when the, the action, you might say, is taking place. So now we get in verse 17 to the seventh angel. The seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. Huh. That's strange. The sun was in the air, but it was used to scorch the people on the earth. But now this, this angel's judgment is against the air. You know, Satan, when he was thrown out, and we studied that in chapter 12, when he was thrown out of heaven, that was at the middle of the tribulation, that began that second half. He was thrown out of heaven. But don't think he lost all his power. He, wasn't, he didn't have access to God. He couldn't go into God's heaven, the third heaven, but he still had control over the second heaven, and the, the starry constellation, and also the uh, atmosphere that you see. Okay? And so now it says here that in verse 17, this, this is poured out against the air, and there, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven. Now notice this great voice again. I believe this is that same voice that we heard in verse 1. But notice what he says. And this great voice out of heaven, uh, out of the temple of heaven, from the throne, saying, it is done. The only other time anything like that was said is when Christ hung on the cross and he said, it is finished. Now he says, it is done. It's, this is the seventh vow. This is the end of the judgments. They're very severe. And God, Jesus Christ, says, it is done. It is finished. It's over. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. There were earthquakes in the sixth seal and in the seventh trumpet, but they weren't like this earthquake. There never was an earthquake like this one. There never would be another earthquake like this. It says it is the greatest. And the great city, now that's Jerusalem, great city was divided into three parts and the cities, now, now notice, let's stop a minute. Jerusalem is not hurt. This earthquake is a benefit to Jerusalem. When it divided it into three parts, it gave it an, a, 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 a treasure it didn't have, and that was water. You read this in Zechariah. The prophet Zechariah gives you information about this, this uh, earthquake and this happening. But it's, the city is split in three parts. Now let's go on. Uh, divided into three parts. And the cities of the nations, that's in the world, the other cities fell. And great Babylon 
came to remembrance before God, that, that wicked city where all corruption started, where the Tower of Babel was built, where the uh, Nimrod, you know, led the people in a rebellion against God. And they started then all false religions. All the false religions of the day are started here in Babylon. They're all based on one four-letter word, W-O-R-K. Every false religion in the world is based on works. Salvation is from God, the true. It's not a religion, but it's a belief. And that's based on grace. There's no works involved. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done. You see, the Bible's clear about that. But now, here the, the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell and great Babylon came to remembrance before God. They give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. She was really destroyed. Never had been, but she was then. She, she will be then. And every island fled away and the mountains were not found. And let's stop right there. Now, this was some earthquake. When you read Zechariah and you read some of the other Old Testament prophets about this period of time, you'll see that this, this whole world, topography of the whole world is going to be changed. Islands are going to go away. Mountains are going to disappear. Let's just take for one example, one that we know from biblical proof. The New Jerusalem at the end of this age, at, in the end of the uh, uh, time of the um, tribulation, comes to earth. Remember the size of the city? 1,500 mile square and 1,500 mile high. It's a cube. Now you tell me, you look at a map of Israel, and tell me how you can put a city there 1,500 miles square. That's half of the United States property. That city would go from uh, the Atlantic Ocean about halfway across and from border to border. That's how much land it would take for this city. There's no spot in the world that you can set a city like that, but you can in this city because God's going to change this earth. There's going to be such earthquakes like the world has never known. Mountains are going to disappear. Islands are going to be moved. It's, it's really going to be different, folks. And this is in preparation for the millennial reign of Christ. This is what it will be like during the millennial reign of Christ here on earth. That's a, a, if, if the rapture would take place today, that's a thousand and seven years from now. This is going to continue until they have the final judgment. This time we're guaranteed from the Word of God. I know the uh, people try to scare you today. They try to tell you how man's going to destroy the world in 10 years, all that. that listen, those people just don't know their Bible. Amen. If they knew their Bible, they'd leave Israel alone for one thing. And by the way, I'm encouraged this week, last week I was in the dumps. 
This week I feel a little better. With 300,000 people that believe like me went into Washington yesterday and demonstrated for Israel and, and in support of Israel in that war. The Bible says you take care of Israel. God will take care of you. But if you judge Israel, God's going to judge you. Read it in uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And now let's look at this last verse. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven. Every stone, every hailstone, about the weight of a talent. Now, in my studies, I, the, 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 the least weight that I saw anybody give a talent was 55 pounds. The maximum was about 100 pounds, I think, maybe one just a little bit over 100. Uh, some of the more conservative scholars, about 75 pounds or so. But hey, what's it matter? <laughs> I mean, listen, if it was the least weight of 55 pounds, you have a chunk of ice like that fall out of the sky and hit a person, what's it going to do? Just smash them. Sometimes we get to arguing about the dumbest things. <laughs> the Bible says it's a weight of a talent, and that's in biblical times they had a weight of a talent. They say that was the most weight a man could carry. Uh, a normal man, not a Charlie Atlas or somebody that could do maybe more. But uh, a talent. And, and it says, and men blaspheme God. They haven't stopped. Three times after severe judgments comes upon them, what do they do? They don't cry out, oh, God, have mercy. No, they blaspheme God. And by blaspheming God, they're uh, testifying to their faithfulness and their support of the Antichrist and their rejection of God. They're doing the same thing with the same blaspheming. So they blasphemed God because of the plague of the hell, for the plague thereof was exceedingly great. And that's how these trials, these uh, judgments during the tribulation period ends. Chapter 17, chapter 18 are like a parenthesis. It, it doesn't advance the narrative to the next chronological order just go for a minute over to chapter 19 and you go down in the verse number 11 and there, there it says and I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true it's not like that white horse in chapter 6 where the antichrist is the rider this white horse his rider is the Lord Jesus Christ it's called faithful and true, and uh, in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as the flame of fire, and his head were many crowns. He's the king of kings and lord of lords, you see. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. You remember John 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
And in verse 14, how did that word came and lived among us, referring to Christ? He's the word of God. In verse 14, and uh, the armies which were in the heavens followed him upon white horses. Now that's you and me. We're going to be in that crowd. Clothed in the fine linen and white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it shall smite the nations and shall rule. Uh, let me just stop right there because I don't want, we're going to be teaching this in three weeks and we just, I don't want to repeat. We don't, we don't have enough time to do that. But I wanted to show you what followed after that hail falls from heaven at verse 21 and chapter 16, the next chronological thing happens as, as uh, chapter 19, verse 11, when Christ comes back. When he comes back, it goes on further and says, as we studied in Revelation, how did this beast and false prophet are judged? And they're taken, they're the first residents to occupy the lake of fire. Others are going to hell, but hell comes back and is judged. But nobody comes back from the lake of fire. And you'll see where Christ throws them in to the lake of fire. And when we read a little bit later, when Satan, after a thousand years, he's locked up, and then he's loose for a short season, then he's judged, and then he's thrown into the lake of fire. And you know what it says? where the beast and the false prophet are. That's a thousand years later. Hell's eternal, friend. Hell's a terrible place. And this, this book of Revelation is, is for Christians to know that we can warn our loved ones. You don't want to reject Christ and the rapture take place. You, you won't have any hope. This world is going to be terrible for seven years of tribulation. Is going to happen. Oh, it's going to start out kind of smooth and nice and all the religions and, and all the false prophet and his committees and his uh, this and that and the Jews are going to be joining right in with them and all the uh, false, not just Christianity, it's all the religions of the world are in that Antichrist movement. And they're just moving along, getting further and further away from God until this false prophet I mean, introduces the Antichrist to be the one to be worshipped and he leads them all to worship him. All those false teachers, that's their, that's their doom. You say, well, who, who is that false church? They're, they're in the world today. If the rapture should take place today, just Christians are going to go. All these phony people and these people with this uh, different religions uh, and deny the Bible and, and just pick at the Bible, this is okay and that's okay. No, it's either all or none. You're either going to accept God's word or you're going to say, no, I know more than God. God doesn't know everything. Well, he does. You don't know everything. And remember what I said, the Chinese are learned people say, the man that says he knows everything has a lot to learn. All right, I, I didn't bring my hearing aids. 
I could use a translator if you had questions, but, but what uh, I'll, I'll tell you, we're going to get into chapter 17 next week. That's the Antichrist, his judgment. 17 and 18 is a, is a more descriptive judgment of the uh, judgment of the beast uh, 